What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Ice the Kicker. Matt Farrar, Glendineers, as always, was a absolutely insane game on Monday night between the Browns and the Ravens. We had Baker Mayfield going off, probably his best game of, as his, of his career. And we had Lamar Jackson, you know, running the ball effectively, not throwing the ball that great throughout the course of the game. But then after a brief cramp, that's what his story is, and he's sticking to it. Um, he came out and he fired away and he gave the Ravens the win. Um, this was a big game for both teams in terms of, you know, playoff positioning with the Steelers losing to the bills on Sunday night. It was an opportunity for the Browns to get closer to the top of the division. And for the Ravens, this was a win that they needed to have just to stay in play for the wild card. So a big win for Baltimore probably was more important for Baltimore to win. And that was probably the most exciting game of the year. Yeah, I mean, just the the back and forth and back and forth, and then it's that fourth quarter where McSorley comes in and he he was he was one for four, but that one pass was that third down conversion to Willie Schneed. They don't get that; they probably lose the game right there. It's probably that simple. So they have that one pass, and then he does his job, and then honestly, it looked like he tore his ACL. Yeah. So in a crazy screwed up world, I feel like there it almost makes sense in a way that. McSorley coming in, tearing his ACL, somehow brought back Lamar. Like, who knows if Lamar comes back in the game if McSorley doesn't get hurt. Mm -hmm. It's a very just crazy, crazy game. Showed a lot of uh, gusto from Baker and the Browns. to come. They were down like 14 at one point to come back, the back and forth. And obviously the Ravens too. I mean, in a minute, they stormed down. And obviously Justin Tucker, probably the, the most – clutch field goal kicker in the history of football comes in drills a 55 yarder just absolutely drills it and yeah, just, no doubt just just probably again similar to that that game of the year we had last year with the rams and the chiefs this year this game i think definitely so far through 14 weeks of the season has been the game of the year yeah you talk about lamar coming out and mcsorley coming in and the ravens not really much baker but the ravens quarterbacks all of them both Jackson and McSorley really had trouble with the turf in, mm -hmm. in Cleveland. They were all slipping the entire time. And you're right. If McSorley doesn't hurt himself, like buckling up his knee or whatever it ends up being, I know they put him in IR today. Um, who knows Lamar Jackson coming out. They have the shot from inside the tunnels in Cleveland, him running out like, you know, Willis Reed did for the Knicks back in the seventies or like how Paul Pierce did. Yeah. Know? in 2008 for the Celtics in the NBA finals. Um, it was an absolutely wild, wild, wild game. Lamar Jackson won 11 for 17, 163 yards in the air, but ran for nine and 124. And that's the kind of game that, you know, we kind of expect now from Lamar Jackson. I think we've gotten to the point where we can kind of gauge who Lamar Jackson is as a football player. This guy is someone who can throw the ball in the air and throw effectively for a ton of yards and air it out from a week to week basis. But I think more likely than not, we're going to see this kind of game from Lamar Jackson when he needs to make the, he will make the throws when he needs to, but over the course of the 60 minute game, his go-to and where he's most comfortable is running the ball himself. Yeah. It's just like you said, I mean, clearly not even just him, but just the, the rest of the, the Russian crew. I mean, Dobbins, 53 yards, Gus Edwards, 49 yards. And obviously you said Lamar, 124. 
clearly Cleveland's run defense was not very good. And it is very telling, like you said, that Lamar clearly trusts himself more than anyone else with the ball in his hands. And obviously that's pretty clear when he has uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown had probably, what, three drops just in this game alone. And he's kind of had, had the yips a little bit with his hands for quite a while now. But it's 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 a, such a weird a weird thing with with that kind of quarterback because again, it's different when you compare him to like a Josh Allen or like a Kyler where he can run but he still throws first. Lamar obviously is just he wants to run first. Like there's really no ifs ands or buts about it. Like he wants to run the ball and that's where he's the most effective. Now, as we saw obviously in the playoff games and many teams, they're clearly going to scheme to make him throw. And I'm, I'm personally still not sold on his ability to only be, be a quarterback throwing the ball. If he can run it or run it all day on you, and then you're not going to be able to win that game. But I still feel like that kind of offense and him specifically, you could game plan around a little bit. And I don't think the Browns did a good enough job uh, defensively, offensively, obviously they did more than enough to should have kind of won that game. Yeah, and with Jackson running first, and it's really similar to what we saw from Daniel Jones on Sunday, when you're limited with your legs because of an injury or whatever it is, then mm-hmm. you're a one-dimensional guy. You take away – the defense takes away the, uh, the threat of the run, and then they just, you know, bunch up the secondary and focus on the pass. And then, as we saw in the Giants game, which we'll get to later, Daniel Jones struggled. Lamar Jackson's kind of the same thing. If you take away his legs and force him to go through the air – that makes the Ravens offense very vulnerable. And I think the biggest play from the game yesterday or Monday, whenever you're listening to this, was that fourth and five, fourth and five play, the first play that Jackson had when he came out and replaced McSorley when he got hurt. He was running first. He was in the pocket, felt some pressure, ran towards the near sideline. The defense bought it. And then it left the receiver wide open for that big go-ahead touchdown on the fourth down where Cleveland put, could have put the game away. So that's the threat that Lamar Jackson possesses. That's why he won the MVP last year. And the Ravens don't win without Lamar Jackson's legs. And that's how they're going to have to win, not only for the rest of the regular season to try to get back into the playoffs, but when they make it, make it to the playoffs as well, they're going to have to find a way to not have what happened the last two playoff runs for Baltimore when Jackson was neutralized with his mm-hmm. legs. They got to find a way to open up holes for him because, you know, we've never really seen a run first quarterback win the Super Bowl. Mahomes can run, but he can also air it out better than yeah. anyone. Mm-hmm. Michael Vick never won a Super Bowl, never made it to a Super Bowl. Like all the guys that run first, we've never mm-hmm. really seen have success in the playoffs. So if Lamar Jackson's going to beat that streak, the Ravens need to figure out through an offense, offensive system how to keep him open in terms of holes to run through. Yeah, I mean, perfect point, too. And obviously, with a kind of guy who has his scramble ability, yes, you do get those 100-plus yards, which is awesome, but you're also going to get a good amount of sacks, too, because he knows that, hey, instead of throwing the ball away or, or maybe just kind of throwing it to the turf like we always see Brady do, he's going to try to scramble out and – He's going to try to extend every single play he possibly can. So that kind of led to uh, four sacks from Cleveland, which is good for them. And again, something that it's it's just you always kind of just whenever you see a guy scramble out like that, and obviously he's taking big hits, it's just, you always hold your breath. So I'm curious what you do as a Ravens coaching staff to one, obviously 
try to not let him get hit so much, but still playing his game. And then also come the playoffs and come these next three games, you have to assume that every team is going to try to get Lamar to only be able to throw the ball and not use his legs. However, the Ravens have to ensure that they find ways to make sure that he can still use his legs. Because if they get taken away, they're not, I don't think they're going to win the game. So they need to figure out a way to counteract whatever the defense is doing to make sure that his legs can be used at all costs. Yeah, and it has to also be a happy medium. Like, of course, his first instinct is going to run, but mm-hmm. he he is going to have to make throws in any game that he plays in. He he can't just have the he can't just run the entire sixty minutes of the yeah. football game. You have to keep them honest, just like any football team does. You have to have a good balance between run and pass, so the pass open the run opens up the pass and vice versa. Mm-hmm. The Ravens seem to have you know a problem with their receiving core, as you said, Hollywood Brown yeah. dropped three passes. I don't think, well, I think Lamar's first instinct is to run, but I think that's even more so because he doesn't trust the receivers that he has. If that yeah, I mean, yeah, 100%. Outside of Mark Andrews, one of the, the kind of the brighter tight ends that kind of burst onto the scene last year. I mean, Marquise Brown, two receptions, 50 yards, and obviously one of them was that 40-yard play. And then Willie Sneed, three receptions, uh, Boinkin with one reception and Gus Edwards with one one reception. I mean, clearly Mark Andrews is guy, but also even more clear is that there was only twelve receptions in this game, twelve, which is absolutely crazy. And again, it, it it's I don't know, maybe it's hypocritical of me to say, but it's like even though they won this game, like is that a winning recipe? Like I really I don't I don't think it is. Like it's one thing to do what the Titans do, and they're going to run it 25, 30 times a game. But Tannehill's still going to throw the ball 20 to 25 times, not 12. So mm-hmm. that to me is very is going to be very interesting to, to see what happens. And obviously, seven of the 47 points came off of uh, uh, the pick six. So obviously, that, that kind of uh, adds to it, too. But it, it's going to be interesting to see how the Ravens adapt. And then honestly, it, it's going to be interesting to see, all right, what if Lamar goes down? Like, are they going to keep running the same system? Because not they everyone need can back do. a quarterback now if Lamar goes down. And, and honestly, they're, they're going to need one that's very similar to him because they tailored this whole system around him. If he goes down, you can't plug in a Fitzpatrick or an Andy Dalton or any guy like that. It's going to be a totally different team. So it's going to be interesting to see some moves that they make uh, this offseason. Even, honestly, if McSorley's hurt, who maybe they call Colin Kaepernick. And that might be absurd oh, to God. say. But I was just going to say that, yeah. Like, what other guy – would make sense to have as a backup. I, I wouldn't know. Um, and another thing, if Lamar bombs in the playoffs for the third straight year, mm-hmm. now you got to think a little bit more than a backup quarterback. I know he won an MVP and he's fantastic, but I mean, you're on top, you, you're on top of this more than I am in terms of there's always has to be constant competition. And if a yeah. guy's not doing his job, then you got to think of other options. And you mm-hmm. love Lamar Jackson and he's a transcendent talent in the NFL today, but three straight bombs in the playoffs is three straight bombs in the playoffs. And that fan base is not going to be patient anymore. So you gotta, you, you would have to start thinking, is this guy, is this guy capable of playoff success if he bombs in the playoffs again, but they have to make the playoffs first. They're still not yeah. out of the woods. They're battling for that um, seventh spot. I think they're the eight right now. They're battling yeah. with the Dolphins and a bunch of other teams in the AFC. Their schedule's, easier than the Dolphins. Yes. Yeah. I know they have the Giants. I don't know who they have sandwiched. So they have, they have Jaguars next week, then Giants and then Bengals. So that's, it's very likely they win all three. 
Yeah, you have. Yeah, you have to assume they're gonna win all three there. I mean, I I guess the Giants could beat them. I think. I think. I, I think the Giants. See, to me, Giants with their defense, and obviously we'll touch upon the Giants a little later. But that's the best chance for them to to take an L right there is against the Giants because I think their defense. Jacksonville not losing to Cincinnati. No, there's there's just uh, again unless Lamar gets hurt or COVID happens or something. There's there's just no way. Yeah. And as you said, with COVID, I mean, let's give, you know, the Ravens some credit. They, you know, they shot themselves in the foot with COVID and whatever happened there. They all got it mm-hmm. and, they, and they had to deal with it. But their schedule got messed around a lot. And to come mm-hmm. out on Monday night after everything that happened and win this game against a Cleveland Browns team, that's very good. I never realized. And so this is the first time I actually watched a Browns game from start to finish. Yeah. They're a pretty good football team. And we're going to get to them in, two, in like one second. But yeah. They deserve all the credit for the world because, you know, on the road, you know, giving up the lead, I think it was a 14 point lead in the fourth quarter that they gave up and to come come out and to win that game. And as you said, Tucker nailing it, which was not no surprise to anyone watching. The yeah, game, they de- They deserve some credit. So they're mm-hmm. eight and five after a pretty hard middle of the season in terms of not only COVID, but just losing games when they probably shouldn't have. Um, they seem to be back on track and that'll make the AFC playoff picture very interesting in terms of them, in terms of your dolphins, a very interesting final three weeks. So we're going to get to that, but we will have to talk about the Browns now on the flip side who lost this game with, but not before just a crazy, you know, spirited comeback by Baker Mayfield. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been a critic of Baker Mayfield. I think, um, well, I thought that, you know, he wasn't that great. I thought like the commercials were a little bit much when he hasn't really mm-hmm. proven anything, but yeah. he played a really good football game yesterday. He was 28 for 47, 343 yards, two touchdowns and a pick also ran one in rushed for five, five attempts, 23 yards also rushed one in to tie the game. Uh, he's this Browns team is completely different than they were in the beginning of the season. Other stuff under Stefanski, they seem to really buy into the culture that he's built. This is an organization that's been terrible for as long as we've been alive, Matt. So, yeah. you know, I, when you think about who's going to challenge the chiefs to make it out of the AFC and represent that conference in the Super Bowl, we always thought it was going to be the Steelers, but the Steelers mm-hmm. the last two weeks have seemed to take a step back, losing to Washington, losing to Buffalo. And then I watch this Cleveland team and I'm thinking maybe this is the team that can challenge Kansas city. I don't think they will. I think Kansas city is far and away the best team in the AFC in all football, really. But Mm -hmm. I think as we stand right now going into week 15, I think Cleveland is probably the second best team in the AFC right now. I know they they lost, but you know, the, the momentum that they've had since their start to the season to now, I think they're really improving. Yeah, I, I still would give for the number two team. I still would lean towards the Bills, but I mean, right now, if I had a, you have the Browns versus the Steelers, like I think I'm taking the Browns. And again, obviously, a lot of that is credit to Baker Mayfield against someone that I think the, everybody in the world has been very hypercritical of Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's got 23 touchdowns in the air, he's got eight interceptions, and he's ranked ninth in QBR right now. Obviously, he's very good. He has 27, uh, 2,700 yards, and which is ranks around kind of 18. I'm sure that's going to kind of keep going up. He's already eclipsed 10,337 uh, 10, yards in his career. And that's only through two and three quarters of the season. So mm-hmm. he's obviously on pace 
yards wise to, to be up there with the Peyton Mannings and with the Drew Brees if his career trends in the right direction. I mean, his his biggest thing, similar, I mean, again, similar to a lot of quarterbacks, was when he turns the ball over, they don't really win games. And obviously, he had a pretty crucial turnover in this game. But I mean, overall, just the, the gusto that, that he showed was honestly it was very inspiring just as any any team to watch. And hey, I want that caliber of, of player leading my team. And with all the doubts last year and then after his very good rookie season, you could kind of sit sleep a little more comfortably you know, as a Cleveland fan knowing, hey, we probably have our franchise guy. Yeah, I don't think if you're a Cleveland fan, if I was a Cleveland fan, I'm not really that upset about losing on Monday. I mean, yeah. upset, but it's not devastating. They're going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Browns are never on national television. They're never on Monday night. They're never on Sunday night. And they went out there and they put on a show for the whole country to see. So if I'm Cleveland right now, I'm kind of like, hey, we arrived. Like we're an upper echelon team in the NFL now. And we showed it against a team with the, you know, reigning MVP, a team that a lot of people pegged to, you know, challenge the Chiefs for the for the AFC. Everyone thought it would be, you know, Mahomes versus Jackson in the AFC. I mean, the Ravens have been a little underwhelming with the COVID and their middle part of the season where they lost a few games. But Mm -hmm. if you're Cleveland, if you're a Cleveland fan, I would be more encouraged by the game that we saw yesterday, despite the loss, than upset over a tough loss and a field goal at the last second. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they definitely have arrived. Now, honestly, I think – Two out of their next three games. One of the next week is against your Giants, obviously, and that's a primetime game. And then they end the season with the Steelers. Those two games right there, and they, they have the Jets in the middle there. If they lose, they're obviously done. But those two games right there are going to really uh, be be pretty much be the verdict for them. Where where all right, we have we arrived, but are we staying? Mm-hmm. And are we going to are we going to earn our spot in the playoffs right now? Because if you fall, say you lose three out of the last four. That, that's a terrible way to kind of go into the playoffs right now. I mean, again, yeah. obviously making the playoffs is great, but I mean, you're going in losing three out of the last four and the only one you won is against the Jets. That's not really kind of anything to brag about. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, basically, I mean, I'm more focused on just next week, how they're going to do that week, because I think the Giants, again, their defense is very, very tough. And you want to see, all right, are the Browns going to kind of sit on their laurels and be like, all right, well, we had a great game against the division rival Ravens, but are we going to come out again on another primetime game? I can't remember the last time the Browns had two back-to-back primetime games. So yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see next week if they're here to stay or not. Yeah, I think it's, I think much of that game is going to dictate whether or not Daniel Jones is 100%. Because we saw in the Cardinals game on Sunday that Daniel Jones clearly wasn't 100%. Um, the offense was stagnant the entire game and Daniel Jones never really was aggressive with his legs. Now, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, he's still not hundred percent from his hamstring injury or whatever it was. But I mean, just talking about Lamar Jackson and how he's kind of hit his game's a little bit complicated when he doesn't have his legs. Daniel Jones was no better than Colt McCoy could have been in without his legs. So I was wondering, you know, if, this was the Daniel Jones that Joe judge and the giants brass saw in practice leading up to the Cardinals game. Like, was it worth putting him in the game? Was it worth starting him risking further injury for someone who's clearly not at hundred percent. And then you just had a backup quarterback that beat the, beat the, um, beat the Seahawks. So it was a rough game for the giants. I'm not going to lie. 
Um, it couldn't have gone worse on Sunday because every other team in the NFC East won, including Washington. So now the Giants don't have that safety net because they're a game behind Washington, mm-hmm. even though they have the tiebreaker. And Washington's schedule is much easier than the Giants. The Giants have to play the two teams that played last night, the Browns and the Ravens, and then the, then the Cowboys, who beat the Bengals. So it's not like a pushover anymore. So the Giants' season dictates on Daniel Jones and if he can get to 100% quickly. And by quickly, I mean Sunday night. Because if they don't beat the Browns, the season's over. Because the Redskins have the Seahawks this week, which mm-hmm. is, which they'll be underdogged against. And then yeah. they'll play, you know, Carolina, who they'll be favorite against. And then the Eagles, who might not have anything to play for at that point. So mm-hmm. this game on Sunday night is huge for both teams. As you said, the Browns don't want to finish the season on a low note after, you know, all the momentum they've built up. And the Giants desperately needed to keep it to keep their season alive. Yeah, I mean, uh, you touch upon obviously comparing Jones and Colt McCoy, and obviously you're questioning what Joe Judge saw at practice because when I went back and watched the highlights and watched some of the game, and I'm sure you kind of watched it a little more focused than I was, but it made me think: was a 75, 80 percent healthy Daniel Jones better than 100 percent Colt McCoy? And that to me, I think is a question that a lot of, and the coaches obviously, and a lot of fans, I mean, I'm curious your own answer was, was that move worth it? Because you saw that Daniel Jones was 11 for 21 had 127 yards. I think he had what three fumbles, but he only lost one of them, something yeah. like that. His QBR for, for that game was a 9.1. Nine point. That is, that's some of the lowest QBR I've ever seen. He was sacked six times. And obviously that's not all on him. You mix in the line, you mix in the coverage sack, stuff like that. But it, it really makes you wonder that clearly his legs were of, of no use. Yeah. So that whole game plan that made him so successful these last kind of three, four or five weeks was taken out. So now he had to go to just throwing the ball. To give Daniel Jones credit, when, when I go back and watch the game and just overall, he throws a great deep ball. He, mm-hmm. I, I don't know off the top of my head what the stats are, but I think – his completion percentage or whatever it is, or his PFF ranking on balls over 20 yards has to be in like the top 10 of the league. Because when he gets it down there, he seems to put it always in the right spot. He makes the right decision as far as the one-on-one throws. But I think it's, it's those more shorter kind of quick throws where, Hey, he either tries to squeeze it in there because that's what the play is telling him he's supposed to do, or that's the read, or then he'll hold it too long. And then he kind of gets sacked, but it just, the, the, when that game unfolded, honestly, it's like you could have made, made the switch in the fourth quarter, say. You're only down, what, like 17 points, I think, throughout yeah. basically the whole like third and fourth quarter. Like, why not maybe just switch to McCoy? It's not like he's, he's a rookie. It's like, hey, you're banged up. It's fine. We're still kind of in this game. Let's maybe make a little switch. There was a, lot, there was a ton of problems with the Giants that I had last, last Sunday. First was, you know, Daniel Jones not being 100%. Maybe could have kept McCoy in. For another game, I think the Giants panicked a little bit with Washington beating mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. I think if Pittsburgh won against Washington, I think McCoy would have started this game. I truly McCoy. believe that because they would have been a game up with the tiebreaker. So really mm-hmm. like a two-game lead. So I think they would have yeah. done that. Um, with McC- with Jones not being able to run, not being able to get outside of the pocket, the Cardinals' defensive line was, be- was able to contain him within the pocket. So he couldn't move mm-hmm. around, obviously. And then that led to the sacks. And with the sacks came the fumbles. Now, as you said, and I totally agree with this, the fumbles weren't totally on Jones. The first one, he got popped from 
the blind, not the blind side. He came right at him, but the he golden. He, yeah. The, yeah, the tight end just completely didn't even uh, go after him. That was a, that was that led to the fumble that they lost, and then there was two others that he got back. Mm-hmm. The Giants' receivers get no separation. That's something I've noticed, and that's something I've read from other Giants fans and Giants journalists that I follow on Twitter. Golden Tate, he's you know older. You know, Stone Shepard's a shot guy, a, a slot guy. Darius Slayton, he, he's a nice wide receiver. He's not a one or a two. Mm-hmm. They, and then Evan Ingram will drop a pass from here. Like we, as you know, advertise, he'll drop a pass or two per game. They, Daniel Jones doesn't have a lot of, you know, marquee WR1 guys. So when he can't run, he has to rely heavily on those guys and they're not up to it. That's something I noticed when Daniel Jones was like holding the ball too much, waiting for someone to get open, even if he had Mm -hmm. protection, he would wait so long that the protection obviously can't hold up forever. Then he gets sacked. So that's something that I didn't, that the giants need to work on in their future, either the draft or free agency, getting Daniel Jones, a number one wide receiver. The play call that Jason Garrett had on Sunday was horrible. There was Mm -hmm. one sequence in particular that drove me crazy. And I, you know, stormed out of my living room, like in just disgust. They yeah. scored a touchdown to get back into it. Um, Daniel Jones throws a deep ball to Golden Tate down yeah. by the one yard line. Um, running back Lewis or Gallman, I think it was Lewis, punches it in, Giants yeah. score. And it's, I think, a 10, 11 point game. End of mm-hmm. two minutes left in the third quarter, around that kind of time in the game. Then they get a three and out from Arizona. Arizona punts. The Giants are pinned by the two. Gallman runs it up for nine. So it's third. It's a third and one from like the nine yard line, right? Mm-hmm. And Jason Garrett's first inclination is to throw a 50-50 ball to Shepard 30 yards down the sideline on a third and one where you obviously only need, you know, a foot one yard. Yeah. to keep the drive going for a first down. Ball gets broken up, no flag, Giants have to punt, Cardinals go down, score again. That, that was the game right there. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why Garrett would throw a deep ball or call for a deep ball down the sideline when you need just one yard. Drove me nuts. So I haven't had a ton of problem with Garrett's play calling this season. Mm-hmm. I actually thought it's been pretty good, mm-hmm. um, especially since Barkley's been on the shelf. I think he's done a good job with giving Jones some – you know, leeway to do some options, run the ball if he sees fit, but, you know, terrible against Arizona. So moving on to next week against Cleveland, obviously a team that had a disappointing loss on Monday, as we just mentioned, but has a lot of momentum and has been playing really well this whole season. They're going to make the playoffs for the first time in forever, it seems. Um, Must win game. And if Daniel Jones is not 100% and he's the Daniel Jones we saw on Sunday, I don't see the Giants having a chance. Yeah, and it just and again, it goes to what we've been preaching the whole time. Like, you you need to have competent backups, not just at the quarterback position, but at every position. And if you're going to value depth and everything at every other position, why would you not do that at the quarterback position, where that's clearly the most important position on the football field? And arguably, like you said last week, probably in the the history of sport, of all sports. So. I think Colt McCoy is, is an admirable backup. Clearly he proved that against uh, Seattle. I mean, anytime you can get the win and not turn the ball over like he did. So then that that's pretty much what you want to do. And then you saw, like, like we kind of talked about, you saw this week, like Daniel Jones, he was a shell of himself. So 
like, like there's certain injuries and there's certain things you can kind of work through and maybe it doesn't affect you that much, but that hamstring and like that, that especially it's his right side. Like that's the side he's got to push off of. Like that changes so much. And then you get a little gun shy in the pocket. And then obviously, you know, he can't ex- extend the play if he needs to. It's like, there's so many things that just like, it, it makes me wonder like, Hey, maybe going to Colt McCoy, even for next week is the smarter decision. Like obviously Colt McCoy is not as good or nearly anywhere close to Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones is not Daniel Jones right now. Like we said, he's a shell of himself. So I, I honestly, like you said, if you see any kind of mishap in, in his rehab and in that hamstring, go with Colt McCoy. Yeah. Cause then, you know, look, uh, if he doesn't look at good in practice, exactly. Like, it's not it, worth it. Because then you have now you have to cater certain play calls to what he can do. Like I mean, I didn't watch the whole entire game, but I'm sure there was no play action bootlegs. No. I can't imagine. I get to me. I can't imagine. There's no, there was, hey, there's no bootlegs. He never left the pocket. So and even though Cole McCoy isn't a mobile guy, he could still do a play action. Where Daniel Jones is probably doing a quick little up fake play action there, not like a full uh, kind of fake him out. So again, you're changing the whole game plan. Decatur on your guy who has half a leg right now when you have a, a very good backup quarterback kind of on deck. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they try to stop this uh, pretty explosive uh, uh, Browns offense, especially that that kind of running back tandem that you see with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Like those are two of the best running backs in the league and they happen to be on the same team. Unfortunately, no one's going to get that Odell reunion that we all wish we got. Yeah, a lot. What was it? Ninety percent not want on the on the poll. Yeah, it was literally there was like I want to say forty to fifty people said they didn't want Odell, and then there was maybe about like seven or eight said they would. I was definitely one of them. You were definitely one of them. And again, like like you said before, the Giants need a wide receiver. One, yeah. they haven't had one in a while. I think for okay. for a hot for a hot second. Last year and the year before, people thought Shepard and Slayton were that perfect tandem, mm-hmm. but they're just not, and, and and that that's okay. The only thing that that can justify not wanting Odell back or 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 saying that the trade was a good thing is because Jabril Peppers is really killing it, and they yeah. got a draft pick out of it too. But I mean, when you just break it down, like you need you need a wide receiver one, and you need a guy like Odell, like you said too, who can get separation. He clearly proved that he's a guy where he could hit on a five-yard slant, and he's going to take it to the house. We've yeah. seen it happen. So it's going to be really interesting. I'm curious, like, well, how do you feel? Do you think they should go for, obviously, the new wide receiver, free agency, uh, trade, or through the draft? I don't know or who at the top of my mix. head is a free agent wide receiver. I know Allen Robinson is. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a pretty penny. Kenny Galladay, too, I've seen. I mean, if you don't um, want to if you don't want to spend a lot of your cap space on a receiver, then you got to draft one. And then you spend that money on what you would have drafted anyway, which would be line health, both offensively and Mm -hmm. defensively. I think that it'll be determined on whether Gettleman and Mara feel how close the Giants are. If they think they're a wide receiver away, then they'll pull the trigger. But if they still think that they need to develop through the line and through the trenches, I think they'll do that. I think the skill positions, I think we can agree on this, both running back and wide receiver. I think that's the last thing you get when you have everything, I think you go, you you, you go line and then you get the quarterback. And then once that all seems to be good and set, I think then you branch out to the outside and get the big receiver, get the big corner or the safety or linebacker, whatever it is. I think that's the last thing you get. 
So I think the Giants need to determine where they are in their development before they decide whether to get a receiver or keep, you know, patching up the line. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you hundred percent. Like the line is a, is a never ending investment. Like every year got to be traffic for agency. I don't care what it is. That line always has to be good because once that isn't whatever you're spending on all these other guys, it isn't going to be worth it because they're not going to be able to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I, I look at it just the same thing with the dolphins too. It's like, we need a lot of weapons too, but it's like, do I feel comfortable giving a $15 million contract to a guy? And it's like, it's like, I don't know. I just, I, I, and I'm sure the giants are the same way. It's like, can they commit that right now? I mean, you got to assume that because after this year, Jones will have what three or four years left. Yeah. So you got to assume that any deal they make for a wide receiver is going to be probably a three-year deal. I figured it would make sense for them to pair the wide receivers deal, which is probably going to be a pretty penny with uh, Daniel Jones's rookie deal. Just because I don't think the timeline is Daniel Jones's rookie deal. I think the timeline is Saquon Barkley's rookie deal. Interesting. Which is two. So do you mean do you mean that financially, or do you mean that kind of in the scope of winning? I think they drafted Barkley second. I think because they drafted a running back second overall. I think it'll be a colossal failure if they either sign him long-term or don't retain him without a playoff appearance, right? Yeah, so yeah, I agree. He does his whole five-year cheap rookie deal, and he never plays a playoff game. I think that's an absolute failure. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that's a perfect him, point. They have to make him the highest-paid running back of all time. I think, you know, even if they make playoff runs after that, their salary cap and what they're going to be able to maneuver in terms of their roster is going to be handicapped by, you know, paying a running back $20 million. So I think they need to win in the next two, the final two years of Barkley's contract. To justify it, basically. To justify the two pick. I mean, obviously they, they could not win and then they could sign Barkley to a huge long-term deal for a lot of money and they can win Super mm-hmm. Bowls and that, that's all well and good. And then I'll eat my words, but I think to justify the second overall pick going to Barkley, I just think I just think it's a bad look if they don't make the playoffs in the five years they have them for nothing. Yeah, I mean, just, I just, I just it, think it's a bad look. In 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 basic terms, yeah, it's like you, you didn't make the playoffs in five straight years, no matter who you had, yeah. no matter who, what, whatever first round. But that that is uh, an interesting point, an interesting way to look at it. And also honestly, because, also because I'm sorry to cut you off, but also because after good? the five year con- rookie contract. They're going to sign him for $20 million. Give me the amount of years that they're going to give him. Because I can't You're going to say probably probably four. Four years. He's all, Of those four years, he's probably only going to be, quote-unquote, Saquon Barkley for two of them. Running backs yeah. are so – their shelf life for a running back is so small and mm-hmm. short that, you know, not everyone's Adrian Peterson where they do it until they're 45 years old, right? Like, yeah. Barber uh-huh. retired at 28 or, no, 32 or whatever it was. He didn't have a long mm-hmm. career. Um, so, you know – to justify Barkley, they need to win soon. And, you know, maybe they need a receiver to help them win soon because Daniel Jones needs another weapon. I don't know. So, so I'm thinking out loud of what the Giants. Yeah, no. So I um, don't look good because right now it doesn't look good because you see what Josh Allen is doing and mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't look good. And you see what ba- I know Baker never made it to the Giants, but you see what Baker's doing and it doesn't look great. Yeah. Rosen's kind of out of it. We'll see where Darnold's career takes him after the Jets debacle. We'll see mm-hmm. if 
you know, a more competent organization can make him reach the potential that we all feel agree that he has. But, mm-hmm. you know, running back at two, as we said before with what Odell Beckham said, what we said last week about how they never really helped Eli in terms of the, you know, the offensive line. Mm-hmm. They just got him weapons and told him to figure it out without a line. I don't know. I just feel like Barkley has two more years left. I need to see a playoff appearance in one of those two years, at least. So, and again, I, I am not the biggest fan of drafting uh, running back in the first round, especially when you only have one first round or two. I know both our teams have been pretty lucky. We've been having a few years now. We have multiple. But the only good thing – obviously besides getting the quote-unquote better running back is getting one in the first round that I saw I read on Twitter today that you with the first round is you get that fifth-year option so you're getting that extra year of basically cheap labor so that that was an interesting fact and now just kind of looking at uh the Giants uh payroll as of right now for 2021 Bradbury 17 million dollar cap hit Solder 16.4 16.4 I mean I'm assuming there's some sort of out in that contract I can't imagine I if they have any possibility of getting it out from Solder I think they do it yeah I mean because he's been, yeah I just got it out because of COVID but he hasn't been good anyway yeah so you got and then even like even Golden Tate he, he's at 11 million dollars and it's like like those those two guys right there I mean 20 27 million dollars in two guys right there because Kind of looking at it, Saquon right now is slated to get ten million uh, next year. Then when they pick up his option, it'll probably be another like kind of ten million there. Like Bradbury's contract of uh, of seventeen million is just about like nine percent of your cap hit. Assuming Saquon gets that similar seventeen million or even twenty, like do you feel confident? Like you said, paying your running back. 10% or even 12% of your whole kind of uh, 53 man salary cap. Yeah. Especially when Gallman doing so well for a fraction of what Barkley is worth. It's yeah. right. And, and just kind of picking your brain a little bit too, when you talk about the giants, it almost seems like they're forced to buy in for these next two years. Yeah. So yeah. you, you might, you, you might see, uh, a mega deal for a wide receiver right now. It's just because they have to. Mm-hmm. Like, you absolutely have to because once you get Saquon, you're not going to really be able to afford it as much. Like, you still obviously can find ways to do it, but you're going to have to uh, – it's, 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 I mean, it's going to be really interesting, especially because Leonard Williams, who rightfully deserves a contract extension too, you're going to need him. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you got to keep Bradbury. He's the best player in your defense. Yeah, and it's me. Bradbury you already have, which is nice. Like against me, losing that solder contract would be sweet because that would allow them to to free up a lot of money for Leonard Williams, which he's going to command, and maybe even bring in another kind of doesn't necessarily have to be a total blue chip on the defense or even the old line, but I would kind of foresee them after everything you said, basically going after a wide receiver right now. You might see a, a hefty 14, 15 million dollar. I mean, basically the same deal they gave to Odell, yeah. but right now. And it's going yeah. to be for three or four years until all right. Then then you have Saquon up, and then you pay him. Then you have Daniel Jones up eventually in four or five years or in three years, and then maybe you pay him, maybe you don't, depending on how he does them. But it seems like again, this is just how the football life cycle works: is that you ha- you have to basically win on the rookie deal. Mm-hmm. Like that's where you really have the best chance from a a team structure standpoint yeah. to, to win is on that rookie deal. 
And the Giants are kind of pigeonholed a little more because they have to win on, like you said, Saquon's rookie deal, not even Daniel Jones. So that was a very interesting kind of way to look at their team life cycle. Yeah, and then eventually, not only with all that, eventually we're going to be, we, the Giants, are going to be in the same situation that the Cowboys are in now. Mm -hmm. Elliott, and now they have to pay Dak, and that's going to be like, what, $50 million a year on those two guys? Of course, that's uh, of course probably Steve probably Elliott more. Are very important players for mm-hmm. the Cowboys, but if you pay twenty percent of your cap space to two guys, it doesn't matter what position they are. That you know handicaps you to what you can do and who you could pay with the rest of the roster. So that's something that Dallas is going to have to figure out. And for well, the Giants, the whole and really for any NFL team the whole wild card to all of this cap space and payroll kind of talk that we go on every single cycle as players going mm-hmm. out is drafting. Well, you have to draft. Yeah. Well because mm-hmm. drafting well is the biggest band-aid for a bad contract. If you're blowing yeah. money on a receiver, even if he's, you know, even if he's effective, you can't miss because if you miss on draft picks, you have to, you have to cover that up by blowing a lot of money on that position that you missed out on. If you get a horrible offensive lineman, Mm -hmm. Eric flowers per se, horrible pick for the giants. How do Mm -hmm. the giants try to cover that up as a bandaid? They spent a ton of money on Nate soldier and that failed. So it's a constant Mm -hmm. cycle that you fall down if you don't draft well. So I think whether the giants decide to draft line to get a cheap lineman, either offensively or defensively or get a cheap wide receiver in the first round to hopefully blossom like Odell did, it, it has to be the right pick. Because if it's not the right pick, then you're throwing more money at the problem, and then that hurts the rest of the roster because you can't pay other areas of need. Yeah, and just it's an absolute fact, and I know a lot of a lot of people are like, oh, well, this team overpaid for that guy, this team like in free agency, this team overpaid for that guy. You're always going to, quote-unquote, overpay for a guy in free agency. That's just how it is. If they're good – there's going to be a bidding war. That that that's always how it is, and there's a reason that every year in free agency, the the market for the guys seems to always keep getting higher and higher and higher and higher. Clearly, as we're seeing with quarterbacks, because they keep getting paid more and more and more, and they say, "Oh, wait, well, this guy got that, and I'm better than him, yeah. so now I want this." And then every they get single it, quarterback just... makes a new base. Like exactly, was the highest paid quarterback for at one point, and then mm-hmm. that's the base for every other quarterback after. Now Mahomes is the highest paid. So the next big time quarterback that needs an extension, like Lamar Jackson, he's going to be, he's going to go up to his, he's going to go up to the Ravens with his representatives and say, okay, the base right now is Mahomes. That's just, yeah. how, that's just how it works. And, and then when you, obviously when you break it down like that, like you're going to have to make some crucial decisions to your team. And like we talked about with the Cowboys, they spend a lot of money on a few key players, Demarcus Lawrence, Zeke Elliott, and they missed out on a cornerback with Byron Jones. And then clearly their defensive backs aren't doing well right now. So just looking at it right now from a numbers perspective, you kind of have to look at, say, when when the time comes, say say two two years, whatever it is, would you rather – and because you're assuming assuming you're already going to pay Daniel Jones because eventually – or even doesn't even, not even if it's Daniel Jones, you're going to eventually have to pay a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Whatever quarterback for your team is eventually, if you want to win anything or, or have – continued success further than the rookie deal is going to be in that 25, even 30 mil. So say it's like 28 mil, something like that. What are you, what are you going to do with that other $15 million? Do you want to spend it on a running back or do you want to spend it on 
a cornerback or do you want to spend it on a defensive tackle? Yeah. So that's kind of the decision. Like, do you want Daniel Jones and Leonard Williams or do you want Daniel Jones and, and James Bradbury or do you want Daniel Jones and Saquon? Yeah. I think that's a question that Giants front office has to realize because it's impossible to get everybody. Mm-hmm. And when, when, when you break it down, uh, when you break it down like that, and like we keep talking about like running back, I feel like is the, is the best position where or you, you have the best, the most luck or, or the best chance, I, I guess, at, at striking gold in the draft opposed to cornerback and opposed to D tackle. So uh, I'm curious what your thoughts on, on that are. I think I think a lot of this is going to be determined on the next two years and how Saquon performs and if he stays healthy. So if Saquon stays healthy next year and the year after that, and he you know rushes for over a thousand yards and has like twenty touchdowns and leads the Giants like basically on his shoulders to the playoffs, then I think mm-hmm. you have to pay him. But if the next two years, you know, Saquon is the Saquon that we kind of saw the first game and a half of this year, where you know he's not really breaking off of the line. He's not really getting any separation. He's not really running downfield. And then he, he misses a game here and there. He misses two games here and there. Then, and the, and the Giants don't make the playoffs. I'm going to be like, well, we don't win with Saquon. Why would I spend $30 million a year to lose with him as more, more expensively? So I think, you know, Saquon dictates his future. If I was the GM in the Giants, personally, mm-hmm. I would not have drafted Saquon in the first place. Mm-hmm. I would never like my my you know organizational philosophy would be not to give a running back in today's NFL a huge monster contract because I don't think it's worth it because as you said you know the Patriots were a dynasty for 20 years who, who is their running back ever I mean they, they just they they, they, they platoon all the time yeah they never really had one right and like mm. you know the only real like major big time running back I can recall winning a Super Bowl was Marshawn Lynch Lynch with the Seahawks yeah yeah, I, I'm. If I'm wrong, someone correct me. If there's another big running back that I missed, the Chiefs didn't have one last year, right? No, no, they had um, Damian Williams, and then and then Moser Payton, was. A, yeah, Peyton Manning didn't have one in Denver. In his Super Bowl, the CJ Anderson was like the premier yeah. guy there. And who else am I? Who else? Who else won the Super Bowl recently? Oh, the Eagles. Who the Eagles have? They had um, Jay like Jarrett Blunt. No, I'm not, yeah, yeah. J J J. Jai. Jai he was yeah. also on the Patriots. Like he's not like yeah. a guy that you're going to give thirty million dollars to. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I would rather spend my money on sure things on the line. Get a pass rusher. Get an edge. Get an offensive lineman that's going to open up holes for my you know third round running back to do what he needs to do, and then yeah. have the have the big time quarterback. I think that's how you build a football team. Yeah, I mean, just just uh, I, I agree too, and then. Something that I, I've kind of dove into a little bit this year was looking at uh, snap counts and like and percentage of the time they're on the field. I mean, just going at this is the just the Dolphins snap counts from when they played the Bengals a couple weeks ago, and their premier running back uh, Gaskin was only on the field 71% of the plays. So mm-hmm. if I'm paying a guy to be on the field 71% of the time, like when they're on offense, even so that's even yeah. even half half of that. Is that worth 15 to 20 million? The guys who are on the field 100% of the time on offense or defense, your linemen, your quarterback, and then usually it's your cornerbacks and then your safeties. Those guys are usually on the field 100% of the time. So to me, that seems it, it seems simple to that's where you want to put your money. You, yeah. you put it you put it right there. And then you kind of plug and play guys kind of everywhere else. I mean, 
just and then again we talked about it a while ago but just to bring it back up i'd rather diversify the money and just 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 the risk because the dolphins for example miles gaskin kind of burst onto the scene this year he was out this week matt Breida was out this week because of covid or injury or whatever uh jordan howard that was just a failed signing so the top three backs going into this year all were, were not in the game. So imagine if one of those guys was hoarding 15 to $20 million of, of the deal. It just, it, it just when, when you really break it down to the injury risk and the financial risk and then your best chance of, of striking gold in the draft, it's just like, I, I just, I don't know how, how you pay running back. And obviously, like, I, I eat my words with that sometimes when you see the success that Kamara has and that Derrick Henry has and then Dalvin Cook has, mm-hmm. but it's it just, it's, I don't know. It's it's just I I feel like there's just a better way to do it, and it's not to say those guys aren't good players, and it's not even to say that those teams don't need those guys because like the way it looks like is they do, but it's just it, it just comes down to could you try to find someone who could get you those yards? Maybe I don't know. Just it, it it's it's obviously it's a tough thing to do, but just like you said, with where the Giants are at right now, I, I don't know if that's the answer. Yeah, it, it's really the most interesting like when you talk about the four sports with hockey and baseball basketball and football football is really the most interesting in terms of roster construction and what they have 100 because every single position is different in terms of their responsibility and you have to dictate mm-hmm. in terms financially what you know what position are we gonna go hard at financially mm-hmm. and who we're gonna pay like baseball you, you're gonna pay your pitchers obviously what they're worth yeah you know, Hitters, what they're worth and then they're they all kind of fall into place mm-hmm. like a second baseman and a shortstop you know do the same thing they feel the ball they hit yeah. the ball. you know in football a safety is completely different from a defensive lineman defensive lineman is completely different from a linebacker a linebacker is completely different from a cornerback on mm-hmm. offensively a quarterback is completely different than a running back who's different than an offensive lineman who's different than a tight end who's different than wide receiver so i don't know interesting uh, then yeah it, it, it goes on and on it, and on it, it is, like you said, it, it is the craziest thing and just for GMs and coaches to try to do. And then you factor in the scheme you have, then you have to get guys to fit the scheme. It's like the fact that teams even can figure it out, like like teams like the Ravens and like yeah, the I'm Browns have. Oh, literally, like when you really break it down and then you look at the teams that have had continuous success over the last five years, drafting and signing guys well, it's like absolute tip of the cap. And again, that's where you give credit to the Patriots and Belichick is that they do. They've been doing this for the last twenty years. Yeah. Say what you want about oh, they have had Brady, but they've also had stellar defenses as well. And that's not. And that's without overspending on, on a ton of guys and kind of just allocating money where they see fit. Moving on, uh, the Jalen Hurts era in Philadelphia has begun. Thank God. Um, came out against uh, at home against New Orleans, underdogs. I don't really think anyone expected Philly to win because Philly's just no. been a train wreck you know, for the last two months at this point. And mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts went out and he won that football game. So to all like the Eagle fans that I've talked to since, I asked them, you know, is Carson Wentz played his last game in Philadelphia? Of course, I say that kind of tongue in cheek. I'm sure Carson Wentz will get another chance. He's very expensive. We just talked about yeah, you know, money and how you spend money in the NFL. You spend money on a quarterback because you think he's going to lead you for 10 years. Um, I don't think Philadelphia has given up on him maybe for the year they've given up on him or on a week-to-week mm-hmm. basis they've given up on him. But you can't deny what Jalen Hurts did against New Orleans. is very impressive. Yeah, I mean, he, he like you said, he, he basically won them that game. I mean, 
Taysom Hill, again, uh, we have our own reserves about him. I don't think he's the greatest quarterback, but he's been yeah, doing I, well. I, by halftime, I was like, I think it's time to put in Winston. That's I was thinking that. Yeah, like, I don't think he, he's the, the best fit. I mean, I think the Eagles definitely psychologically obviously have a spark with Hurts. I mean, he's just he's a different quarterback than Carson Wentz, and that spark and that difference it could be what gets him to the playoffs. I mean, Hurts had only 167 yards passing, but he had 106 on the ground. So, and that's he's averaging 5.9 yards uh, on the ground. So, just just that change of play and change of pace, just for the offense and then just for the team itself, is just it's huge. And honestly, it, it could propel them to to a playoff run and, and yeah. NFC NFC's championship. And it's definitely going to propel Peterson to another job as the Eagles coach. And we've been talking about that for a few weeks now. Yeah, if Hertz comes out the final three games and he plays like he did against New Orleans. He, one, saves Peterson's job, and mm-hmm. two, at the very worst, guarantees himself having a leg up in the quarterback competition that will be next training camp because, you know, obviously, as we as everyone knows, Carson Wentz is very expensive. They gave him a lot of money, so they're not just going to cast him away just like that and say, thanks for everything, you're out. They're going to give him a chance to win back the job, whether it be mm-hmm. – the first time Jalen Hurts, you know, has a hiccup because that will happen. Every quarterback, yeah. or whether it be Jalen Hurts, you know, tweaking an ankle, God forbid, knock on wood. But I don't think we've seen the last of Carson Wentz. But I think it's very interesting because last week it came out that Carson Wentz's confidence was completely shot by the yeah. mere <laughs> presence of Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Now, with Jalen Hurts winning a game against one of the top teams in the NFC, if you're Carson Wentz, you're, you, you got to be panicking, right? If your yeah, confidence you, was shot by him backing you up, what's your confidence level with him succeeding on the field? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's such a tough situation for, for anybody to go through, but clearly, I mean, and it isn't as tough for him because he's obviously getting paid mm. $28, $30 million Listen, a year and even more I would for the next two years. take his job as a back quarterback for, of course. I mean, again, the Eagles have the Cardinals next week who haven't been too hot. I think that's a, a very winnable game for the Eagles. Then they play the Cowboys. Obviously, it's another very winnable game for the Eagles. Then they finish up with Washington. I would give Washington the slight edge there, but it, maybe maybe they, they end the season going 4-0. Wouldn't that be crazy? And, and, and a lot of Eagles fans would be like, we should have started them earlier. And it's, it's, it's just, it's, 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 it's just crazy. It's, it's just funny been... because, you know, Eagles fans, I, I've, I've met a few Eagles fans because, you know, you go to Monmouth, a lot of them come up from South Jersey, all of them the Eagles mm-hmm. fans. like, like how much I love the Yankees and also at the same time despise the Yankees. They're like, yeah, with the Eagles, they love mm-hmm. the Eagles, but at the same time, they fucking hate the Eagles too. So yeah. it's funny to see how you know we're done with Wentz, we hate Wentz, and then the team sucks and Peterson get fired and then one game by Hurts and all of a sudden they're going to the Super Bowl again. Yeah, it 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 really I mean that's just partly because the NFC East is just crazy with how every team could have one win right now and you would still be in contention theoretically. But it's just I mean honestly like I want to just real quick look at just the landscape uh, of the NFL right now in terms of quarterbacks and we did this a couple weeks ago but I said this to, to my brother the other day. I was like, you're going to see, I feel like, a, a massive shakeup in quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, going from the bottom to the top standing-wise, 
The Jets, obviously getting a quarterback. They're going to have someone new in there. Jacksonville, same thing. Cincinnati, uh, obviously, they're going to have a backup to start the season. Carolina, who knows? They might get a new quarterback. Atlanta, same thing. Matt Ryan, they might move on from him. Dallas, who knows what happens with Dak? You have no idea. Chargers have their quarterback. Houston has their quarterback. Philly just got their quarterback. Giants have theirs. San Fran, who knows what they do? Mm-hmm. Denver, same thing. Who knows what they do? Detroit, same exact thing. That that's not a sure thing with Stafford too. New no. England, I, I mean, I'm I'm just going I'm going up the list right now. New England, yeah. same thing. Chicago with Trubisky. I know he had a good game this week, but it's like is he the long term guy? Who knows? Minnesota with Kirk Cousins. He's got to be two years left, maybe. I mean, maybe they move on. Who knows? Washington, same thing. Is Alex Smith the answer? Because I know Kyle Allen isn't. Vegas has their guy in car, you could say. Arizona, Kyler. Baltimore, obviously, Lamar. Two in Miami. And then, then you look at Tampa Bay and, and uh, the Colts. You have two, two guys who either are on one-year deals with Phillip Rivers, and then Tampa Bay is on a, on a two-year deal uh, with Brady. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's what? Almost half the league that there's uncertainty in the quarterback position? Yeah, you're saying that, and there's one name that I have in mind, and you're giving me all these teams, and I'm like, if he this guy does not get a single shot on any of these teams, like what happened? And that's Josh Rosen, former Dolphin. Mm-hmm. Like with all those mm-hmm. names you just all those teams you just mentioned, I know this is a little random, like obscure to just mention Josh Rosen for whatever reason. Yeah. But if he doesn't get an opportunity on any of those teams, like what the hell happened to him? Yeah, I, I mean we don't need to go so, we don't we don't need to go no. wrong on Josh Rosen, but like no, but it's, guys it's, like Josh Rosen, true. Sam Darnold, kind of the guys that are like flaming out on teams they are on now. Mm-hmm there's a lot of opportunity for second chances and, you know, in Rosen's, you know, in Rosen's case, a third. third. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it, it's, it, it's fine. I mean, I think you're going to see, like, like, like you said, Jameis, you're going to see Rosen. Yeah, you're going to see, one. you're going to see Donald. Yeah, I mean, gonna you're going to see basically that whole, that whole draft class right yeah. there. Get, get their second or third or fourth chances, whatever it may be. Draft, but, it's Lawrence and it's fields. And then, and then it's, it's, it's kind of question mark after that, whatever. And then it's the next guy. Yeah, then you have like Wilson and Trey Lance. But yeah, Lawrence and Field are the top two premier guys right now. And obviously certain guys come up, certain guys go down, yada yada. But I mean I mean then again, even another team, you look at New Orleans, like Drew Brees, I don't think is the long term answer, clearly, because it's probably it might be his last year playing football. And then Yeah, it's a Taysom nice Hill, they, on the table it, already. Yeah, that's what I mean. So is Taysom Hill the the permanent guy? And then then you can even go crazy and say Pittsburgh too. Mm-hmm. I can't see Big Ben being the quarterback in 2023 or even 2022, two, three years from now. So I think you're going to see, and which which is funny because uh, this isn't really a deep quarterback class, but you, you're seeing a lot of QB needy teams. So if you're a free agent right now, a veteran free agent on the market right now, you're about to cash in. And yeah. I think that's why I think Dak Prescott might have a Mahomes S deal. Not that he necessarily deserves it, but the market is gonna the, the market is gonna determine the price. What if the Steelers crept in there and mm-hmm. said, Hey Dak, we're gonna pay you a boatload of money. A boatload of money because our defense is ready to win. Our offense is, is kind of there too. We just need a quarterback to lead away because Big Ben isn't really doing that for us right now. Wouldn't that be something? Same thing could be said about New Orleans. Same thing could be said about New England, who are a quarterback away, obviously, because they lose Brady and all of a sudden everything goes back down to earth. Yeah. It's a, it's a good time to be Dak Prescott. Also kind of off topic and like irrelevant at this point because it's been five years. But if Kaepernick doesn't get a 
a, a walk a workout with any of these teams, then the, it's um happen. yeah, it, it's over. Because there's it's so many, that. as you said, there's yeah. so many. But yeah, you're right. It's we for so long had the same 10, 12, 15 quarterbacks for a long mm. time, like Peyton, Brady, Eli, Bill Rivers, Rogers, yeah, Rogers, Big Ben. You know, we had all these quarterbacks for such a long time. And, you know, yeah, at, at one point, I guess it's a new generation. And even in Green Bay with Rogers, even though he's at an MVP level, you know, it, it's it's he's much closer to the end than he is the beginning. And I know they drafted Great Jordan point. Love in the first round, but as we know with Rosen, that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be the heir apparent to Rodgers. So we'll see. Yeah. Although Rodgers no, did but... it for five years before Favre finally got yeah. out of there. But I don't know. It's interesting. It's just overall, it's a, it's a very kind of exciting time, and you're seeing a changing of the guard with quarterbacks. And I think you're going to see a lot of teams spending a lot of money uh, on quarterbacks because – there might be uh, a lot of them. And I mean, the teams you said right off the bat there, I mean, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, uh, New England. I don't know if I'm forgetting one else, but those are three teams. Clearly you get them a better quarterback. They're, they're probably winning the Super Bowl or in contention, or you get them say Dak Prescott specifically. So it, it, honestly, it gets you excited to, to, to be in Dak Prescott's Dak Prescott's corner right now. And then, it makes you wonder, are the, are the Cowboys saying, oh, shit, I wish we would have signed him earlier? Because now there's a lot of teams that there's uh, that would want a guy like him. And, and there aren't many guys like him. So it's going to be interesting. If Dak leaves Dallas, I can't imagine him doing so. I can't imagine him playing anywhere else. But if he does, that's on the Cowboys for picking, for essentially picking Elliott before Dak. I yeah, think, I mean, I think picking was, Elliott I think before Dak. ridiculous to sign Elliott and not Dak. I don't know. But I would have no, chose, I, I, I chose Dak before Elliott. I 100% agree with you. Or you you figure out, or you're already paying Zeke, whatever. You figure out a way to, to extend Dak this year. You, you, you just have to. Because like you said, now now there's going to be four, five, six, seven, eight other teams knocking on his door who might who probably are in better cap uh, or better uh, kind of have more cap space than the Cowboys do. So, I, again, awesome time to be Dak Prescott right now. Yeah. With, with everything said with this injury, too. Uh, a team that has their quarterback for the foreseeable future is your team, the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. They played the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champs last week, and they put up quite a fight. I was actually very impressed about how they performed. Um, they had a couple interceptions early. What was it, 14 nothing? Am I wrong? They were up. 10 10, 10 nothing. 10 nothing. And then, obviously, Kansas City does what Kansas City does. Yeah. I think even at 10 nothing, I think you were happy, but kind of like waiting for the shoe to drop. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as we – I feel like we beat a dead horse sometimes on this show when we talk about both the Giants and the Dolphins being like, you know, it's cool to be excited about what they're doing now, but it's not about now. And I think that's case in point in this game against Kansas City. I think the mere, you know, challenge that they gave the defending Super Bowl champs and just being in it towards, you know, for all 60 minutes – I think that's a quote unquote moral victory, even though I hate that phrase. And I think that's for losers, but mm-hmm. you know, if you're the dolphins and you're a dolphin fan, you can say this more than I can, you know, good that yeah. they didn't get blown out by the Kansas city. Yeah. I think it's, I think it was pretty cool. I mean, obviously a loss is a loss, especially in a playoff race. And now they're going to have to essentially win out to make the playoffs, which is not, you know, out of the realm of possibility, but you know, if you're a Dolphins fan, you got to be. You're upset that you lost because you did have a yeah. ten up lead, and your expectations change 
as the situation unfolds, but I wouldn't be devastated by any. Yeah, it, like I said, like like you you came to play. You made Mahomes turn the ball over three times. Never happened. You had exactly that. Never that never happens. You also sprinkle in. They had um, three sacks. They also uh, forced forced a fumble too. So I mean, like you said, the defense is there, and that's something that you could say, "Holy shit, thank God!" Because uh, a lot, a lot of the whole defense and everyone, all the personnel there is on the team already signed for the next two to three years. So it's awesome that basically in one off season they fixed the defense. So hallelujah there. That's one huge phase there. Their kicker still is really good, and you just got to re-sign him. That's fine. There's another phase right there, and then you have your quarterback on a rookie deal who keeps uh, getting better and better and better. I mean, like you said, the Chiefs did what the Chiefs do. They scored 30 unanswered points. It was just an absolute shit show of a, a second and third. Two seconds, right? It was like they scored like 20 points. It was like in a, in a minute 30, yeah. something That's ridiculous. Bad. I mean, anytime you have a punt return like that, it, it just sucked. But with that being said, like, I mean, basically what happened in the game, and it's not an excuse. This is just saying it is what it is, is that they had a lot of guys banged up. So then they're starting special teams guys now are starting on defense. So now the people playing on special teams are the backups, blah, blah, blah. Their starting safety, Bobby McCain, was out for just two plays in the whole game. Missed two plays. On those, the first play that he missed, Tyreek Hill, 32-yard rushing touchdown. The second play that Bobby McCain they're uh, basically center field safety there. They bring in the backup. He bites on, on a little pump fake from Mahomes, 50-yard bomb, Tyree kill. So two yeah. plays with the backup in, two touchdowns. But that's just football. That, that's kind of how it is. That's, I would say, kill, more so. That Yeah, that's Tyree kill. That's Patty Mahomes. That, that's Andy Reid. He did a great job. But it, 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 it's such a weird thing because you said it too. Like, all right, like, like moral victories are for losers and stuff like that. But it's something that, everybody me and you included say all the time and it, it, it's just a loss is a loss too same thing i say the same thing but at the end of the day i'd rather lose by a little than a lot like, yeah. like you showed that that you could co- compete with this team and what it did was as a fan perspective and i think obviously the general manager and the team kind of caught a glimpse of this too is that you're close but you're not there yet mm-hmm. but you're like you're, you're you're very very close you just need some weapons similar to the Giants on the offense, specifically wide receiver, definitely slot receiver. You need to kind of sure up that wide receiver room right now because you're seeing that you lost, say, like a couple wide receivers, and now you're on like your sixth string, and, and you're basically running out guys that wouldn't even be starters on other teams. So I, I, I foresee a heavy investment into the offense, whether it be the line, and that's via draft, via free agency, and then you might see a little bit of a splash on a wide receiver depending if they find a guy they like. But it's it's an exciting time to be a Dolphin fan. I mean, they very well could lose the next three games, and I'll be like, well, we shit the bed there. But in the overall landscape of where we were 14 weeks ago, you're playing meaningful games in December, and you lost to the Kansas City Chiefs by six points. Mm-hmm. If my math is correct, 33-27, that's six? That's seven. Six. Six lost to the the Kansas City Chiefs by six points, and you made Patrick Mahomes turn the ball over three times. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll take that. Yeah, Uh, I I will take this moral victory. Call whatever it is. I will take that. You kind of answered the next question I was going to have, which is good, which means we have a lot of chemistry, which means this is a good podcast. But I'll ask it anyway. Of course it is. Um, 
the, the good thing about playing a team like Kansas City at this time of the year with Tua with, you know, in a playoff race is that it's more of a litmus test to see where you are compared to, you know, a potential dynasty in the NFL, right? So mm-hmm. they lose by six. Now, my question to you, which you kind of already answered, what would you, the Dolphins need to do to make up those six points and win? Is it experience? Is it, you know, more weapons on offense? Now, you talked more about weapons on offense, which kind of answered the question already, but what what do you think the Dolphins need to do? Maybe elaborate more on how to catch up and get those six points for the next time they play Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think there's there's a single thing you really need to touch on defense besides just just any guys you draft is going to be more depth. I don't foresee any splashes free agency wise defensively, but it, it offensively their issue was a little bit it was health, but the guys they need are not on the roster right now. Whether they be their free agent that they need to get, or I, I'm more so leaning that the draft is what they need to get. Because their offensive line draft picks in the first round. Yeah, they, uh, two, two in the, yeah, two in the first, and they have two in the second, too. So you're going to have four picks in, in the top, what, 60, 64 picks right there. So you should be able to find some. I would assume that you're going to get wide receiver there. I also would assume you're going to see a running back there, too, probably another offensive lineman. Their offensive lineman, their offensive line as a whole has been playing pretty good. Some games they play really well. Some games they don't. Their offensive line consists of three rookies. I think that those three rookies are going to be the staple of the team moving forward. They just need experience. You don't really need a full revamp just because you didn't beat the Kansas city chiefs on the offensive line. Those guys just kind of need to get better and they will get better because they're three rookies playing against the super bowl defending champions. And you have Chris Jones, one of the highest paid tackles, obviously he's going to wreak havoc on that line. And then, Running back wise, they're going to probably need another one or, or someone else new there because who they have on the roster right now, and then a lot of them are hurt or on COVID, whatever, are probably not going to be the premier guys next year. Like I doubt Burita will be on the team. One of the running backs, Patrick Laird, he's more like the third down specialist kind of guy. He's more special teams. He'll, he'll probably be on the team, but he's not going to be your premier running back. So they're going to be looking for either. Uh, an off a, th- a three down back or at least a rookie running back to kind of plug into the system. And then you get a few of those pieces and then you're like, well, now we're kind of ready to go. So you're seeing that there isn't this whole revamp of much to do with the roster. I mean, and when you spend the amount of money that they did specifically on the defense, it's nice to see that it's actually paying off for once. And that's something that as a Dolphin fan, a lot of our investments have been pretty shitty whether it be, all right, we invested in Dom Kong Sue, but the rest of the other, the rest of the team sucked around him. Or we invested in Tannehill, and then he just wasn't really that good. And so it's nice to see that you have basically two out of the three phases are kind of set in stone. You're ready to rock, roll into 2021. And then offensively, a lot of it's just experience. And obviously that starts with two at two, but he had a really, really good game, and he's only going to get better the more he sees, plays more games, sees more looks, stuff like that. And then Obviously, you got to get them weapons. And then something you said way back when we start, started the show, it's all about, like, separation. Like there's, like, there's nothing worse than when certain fans are just only watching the ball. And obviously what that means for people who don't know is that when you're watching TV, you see the quarterback, you're following the ball. It's hyped to him. He's got it. All right, it's a sack. Oh, it's on the quarterback or it's on the offensive line. For some reason, the NFL and the broadcasting networks haven't decided to use a different angle 
I'm not saying on every play, but some plays. Just now we could see who's open, who's not open, this and that, because we don't we can't see past what ten, the uh, the first down marker. We can't see anything, so we don't know who's getting separation, who's not, who's this and stuff like that. So that's something that's big for the Dolphins that they, they need guys who are going to get separation and they really don't have that outside of Devontae Parker right now. So one out of their six receivers can get separation. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that with the camera because like a quarterback gets sacked and you're like, God damn it, throw the ball. But no, yeah. you don't realize that nobody's open because you can't see. Um, but I think, you know, it's exciting if you're a Dolphins fan, I think, you know, mm-hmm. to see how far you've come in such a short amount of time, 18 months ago, I remember you were like, let's go, let's be terrible. Let's go. zero and 16 and get to a, you didn't need to do that to get to it. You went what? Four, five and 11, five and 11. And then mm-hmm. now 18 months later in December of 2020, you're only losing to the Kansas city chiefs by six. So I think, you know, if you take a step back and you look at it from a broad spectrum, I think, you know, the dolphins rebuild has been, you know, lightning quick. And I think, you know, going into next year, as long as they, make the right draft picks something we talked about in terms of you know payroll and who you pay mm-hmm. and how important it is to make the right selections a key draft coming up for the dolphins with the four picks that you said in the first two rounds because if mm-hmm. you hit you know let's say they hit on all of them like that'd be great then all of a sudden you have the defense ready and then you have a dynamic offense with Tua, the wide receiver you get you know a, sh- a knockout offensive lineman and whoever else you need offensively. I think, you know, next year could be another big step for the Dolphins and they can challenge the Bills. And the Bills, yeah. our team, last last Sunday night beat the Steelers. I don't know who this is more about. Is it more about, you know, the Steelers not being as good as we thought and maybe those people that said the Steelers are the worst 11-0 team ever, maybe they're right. Or maybe we should, like the Browns, give the bills credit for being a good football team. It's been a while since the Browns and bills, they've always been the laughing stocks and now they're both really good. The Browns being the Steelers, you know, and the dolphins losing the cheese pretty much ends the division. So mm-hmm. a little, some thoughts about Sunday night before we get into an MVP conversation and then we end this thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought you're, you're seeing, you're definitely seeing the Steelers uh, regress a little bit and, it is a little scary because they're a team where their defense is really good. And, but the issue is when your defense is on the field for a thousand plays, then they're not going to be really good. It's just law of averages. Eventually the other team is going to score and they, they still held. Yeah, exactly. They still held Buffalo only 26 points, which is still pretty good for, for that caliber of offense, but you can't expect to win a game and only score 15, especially going on the road. And obviously that falls on the offense. I mean, Roethlisberger, 21 for 37, 187 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, just QBR of 37.4. Like, like he, he, he didn't have it today. And then yeah. a lot of it also is their run game. They only, they only had 47 rush yards. That, that, that's, that's not a, a recipe for success there. So it, it, it's a mix of the Steelers are definitely, I guess, the fans or the people who are hating on them are correct in, in some aspects because – they don't look hot right now at all. And they were trending in the wrong direction. And then Washington was just the first team that got to grace them with the reality check. But Buffalo is, I think, the number two team behind the Chiefs to really challenge them. And I, I 
hopefully you get that uh, you get that matchup in the AFC Championship because I think that would be a very very exciting game. Yeah, I think in terms of the Steelers, first of all, if they keep going on the trajectory that they're going on, they're going to go from an 11-0 team and then they're going to end up being a team that gets bounced in the first round of the playoffs because if they get matched yeah. up. In- Cleveland or Buffalo or Tennessee or Indianapolis or maybe even Miami. Uh, is is it a slam dunk that the Pittsburgh that Pittsburgh gets through that game? I don't think it is. I don't think you could say about any, any team. Yeah. You, you imagine know, they Ravens. play the Ravens. Not, yeah, they, imagine they play the Ravens twice. But like, you know, the Ravens are getting healthier. They had a big win against Cleveland. Their momentum seems to be going back up. They're gonna have momentum going into the playoffs. Sure, they make it with the three games mm-hmm. they have coming up, which are winnable games. Pittsburgh can find themselves being one and done. And then if they lose that game, then you got to have a serious conversation about the future with big Ben. And it's crazy to say that because they started 11 and 0. it was two weeks ago. They were undefeated and the number one seed the AFC. And then you can just like bottom out for whatever reason, mm-hmm. whatever wrong with their offense. The receivers had a lot of drops. Obviously big Ben isn't the quarterback. He was 10 years ago, a mm-hmm. whole bunch of things, you know, Mike Tomlin's still top five coach in the NFL. I don't, that's, mm-hmm not a free debate but you know if that happens then you got to think about the future in pittsburgh on buffalo's side with the trajectory going up i think that i think a lot of credit goes to josh allen i think a lot Mm -hmm. of people when you talk about you know two years ago three years ago however long it was again now with that draft class with the baker and darnold and you know rosen and allen i think I remember, I could be wrong. I think I remember, you know, Allen being the fourth of those four guys. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. Allen got the respect that he deserved. And right now, as we speak, he's the best of all of them. Yeah, it's it's, it's hands out. And that, that goes into something that kind of gets overshadowed. I know I, I don't do the best job of it, but that's uh, allowing for players to develop. And, mm-hmm. and then looking, and I, I don't know what the, the tangible uh, – characteristic is to see who can develop and and so because obviously some people just they are what they are and there 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 is a ceiling to them but josh allen was a guy who had obviously had a crazy arm he obviously had his feet but his accuracy was god awful his some of his decision making was very bad and then he seemed to figure that out in one year so tip of the cap to himself and his work ethic and his coaches over there and whoever else he had kind of in his corner because they turned him into an MVP caliber quarterback and they turned him into, I could see a potential Super Bowl champion. Yeah. And he basically did that in one off season. So tip of the cap to him. And this is something, and it kind of just goes into football in general. Coach Poppy sent me a, a little, uh, a picture he saw, like a, a Packers thing. And it was comparing Jordy Nelson to Marquez Valdez Scantlings. And this is after 45 NFL games, Jordy Nelson had a hundred receptions, 1,268 yards, and then six touchdowns. Scantling had 95 receptions, 1,636 uh, yards, and then nine touchdowns. So five less receptions, just about 400 more yards, and three more touchdowns. So basically what he was saying, because and this goes on to say, Jordy Nelson had 30 touchdowns in his next 45 games. So it's just allowing for that that development and that patience. Now, the, the hardest question is how long the leash do you give somebody? Cause that's what you were seeing obviously with Carson Wentz there. So it, it really is interesting. And that's, I think is just the most crucial part about coaching is 
how long do you hold on to a guy? And then how do you look at two guys that are similar skill set at the age of 21? You say, this guy's going to be a star and this guy's going to be a bust. So it's, it's, just, it's such a crazy thing in the NFL and just coaching in general. I think the perfect conversation to have in terms of what you just said is Allen with a quarterback that was drafted in the same draft class as him, and that's Sam Darnold. Now, if Sam Darnold, mm -hmm. if you switch that draft, right, if you go back in time and the Jets take mm -hmm. Allen, sorry, if the Jets take Allen and the Bills take Darnold, is it a complete flip-flop? Is Darnold the good quarterback now? And is Allen, you know, getting thrown out the door for Trevor Lawrence? It's all about the system. And obviously, it seems that the Bills have done a much better job than the Jets and the Cardinals and the Dolphins when in terms of Rosen of developing that quarterback. So, I mean, talent is one thing, but you also have to have the right coach, the right system, the right culture and the right weapons around you to make the quarterback successful. Because the quarterback, deservedly so, is the scapegoat because he's the quarterback. He's the most important position in all of sports in terms of the importance of their team and sometimes we get too much on the quarterback he sucks he's the reason they're losing well not really the, the Jets aren't losing because of Sam Darnold Sam Darnold isn't helping himself but you know Adam Gase is a moron right they have no weapons yeah they don't really see the offensive care, line sucks right all that stuff, yeah care. the team has a culture of losing for the last two decades blah, blah 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 the Bills even though the Bills organization you know hasn't been you know the New England Patriots in terms of winning, they hired people and they developed their roster to, you know, kind of help Josh Allen and kind of forego what the Bills used to be. So mm. Josh Allen deserves all the credit in the world for developing himself, as you said, in terms of a year, completely transforming his his game and really reaching for the, the potential that the Bills saw in him to pick him, what, fifth, whatever it was? Fifth or sixth overall, something like that. Overall. But a lot of credit should go to the Bills organization and their coaching staff. I mean, couldn't have said it any better. Absolutely. Because just 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 as much as I give credit to Josh Allen on his own personal mechanics and stuff like that, you look at what they did in, in the offseason, they traded a first-round pick for Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is absolutely killing it. They are a match made in heaven. So maybe Josh Allen isn't doing the things he's doing this year without Stephon Diggs. And like you said, you put Sam Darnold, on this on this team, or you put any quarterback on the Chiefs team, not saying not to, trying to take anything away from Mahomes, but the 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 Chiefs just have too many weapons to guard. Mm -hmm. they, they absolutely do. All right, you take out Travis Kelsey. Oh, there's Tyree Kill. All right, you take out Tyree Kill. There's Travis Kelsey. All right, there's Clyde Edwards there. There's Le'Veon Bell. There's McCole Hardman. And then again, you look at with with the Bills, they have a very good run game. They have Stephon Diggs. They have Cole Beasley, who I think is probably the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL today. Mm -hmm. So that, that's something that people need to keep an eye on. That Cole Beasley deserves some goddamn respect mm -hmm. from the NFL. Just because he's the slot wide receiver does not mean he uh, he doesn't deserve the same recognition as all these other guys. But just it's just uh, the the whole team that, that that they built around him. It's just it's a perfect uh, a perfect kind of uh, experience and a perfect system. And then the age old discussion is, oh well, this guy's a system quarterback. Every quarterback is a system quarterback. And every quarterback is the system. What are you going to do around him? What are you going to do around all of them? It's just, it's such a, it's such a lazy argument to say, oh, this guy's a system quarterback. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Like if you're you in a bad need, system, you're going to be a bad quarterback. You, you need a good system 
to win football games. That's just a fact. It, it, it's an absolute fact. So anyone who says otherwise, I, I just I, I don't see the logic in that. Yeah. And in terms of a good system, that's why I'm so curious to find out in the coming years. Let's say Darnold goes somewhere else. Let's say Trubisky goes somewhere else, how they react to that and if they become better and if they mm-hmm. make their old organizations look worse. Because there's nothing Bill Belichick will want to do more than first win again. And number mm-hmm. two, embarrass the Jets because he despises yeah. the Jets. So, yeah. you know, you know, the Jets take uh, Trevor Lawrence and they say goodbye to Donald. You know, who's the first call going to be from? It's going to be from Belichick. I can guarantee you that. That um, would be awesome. So it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, quarterbacks, as, as we keep alluding to, how they adjust to different systems and stuff. And it's going to be interesting to see how far this Bills team can go. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's the Chiefs and then it's the Bills and the Browns kind of fighting for that second best. And of course, you got to yeah. respect what the Ravens did because they were the one seed last year and they have the MVP. And, you know, the Steelers, they'll see if they can get their act together. So yeah. very interesting. I feel like the AFC has, even though the AFC has the, pro- the prohibitive favorite in the NFL with the Chiefs, I think the AFC is very interesting in terms of who's going to have to, who's going to have the honor to face them in the AFC championship game. I think that's right. Could could not agree more. Last little, you know, kind of debate conversation. MVP of the league. Mahomes with three turnovers against your Dolphins. Does that open the door for a guy like Rogers or a guy like, you know, maybe Wilson plays well down the stretch and he gets back into the conversation? Do you think, who do you think the front runner is right now for, is it, could it be someone that's not a quarterback? Uh, no, I think I think it's it's right now. I think Rodgers has the has the edge, and I, I think Mahomes is going to fall into the kind of like the Mike Trout kind of theory. And I think a lot of people, yeah. yes, definitely very LeBron, where uh, you're kind of expecting it, and then you're gonna you could break it down. Well, oh, this guy's got an insane team, so he's not kind of as deserved as a guy like Rodgers. And I think Rodgers, especially at his age too, not that that plays a factor in the MVP voting. But just going through statistics here, he's ten and three to Mahomes is twelve and one. I don't think quarterbacks. I I, I don't think uh, record is a is a great stat for quarterbacks. Whatever. As long as you're in the eleven to fourteen range, I think you're good. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think Mahomes is fifteen and one is going to play that much of a difference between a Rogers twelve eleven and, and five. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So completion it's percentage. Like, if it's like fifteen and one to like ten and six. I think that's a difference. That's fair. Yeah, no. So there's 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 levels to it. We can agree on that. Completion percentage, Mahomes sixty eight point four to Rogers is sixty nine point six. So pretty identical there. Yards, Mahomes got forty two hundred compared to Rogers is uh, basically thirty seven hundred. Mahomes is thirty three touchdowns. Rogers has thirty nine, which is absurd. Yeah. Passer rating, Mahomes is at one twelve to Rogers is one nineteen. Interceptions, Mahomes got five. Rogers has four. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think anything else kind of of value here. They both have two, two rushing touchdowns apiece. I mean, the they're QBR both, again? uh, I don't see, I don't see QBR here, but the passer rating is 112 for Mahomes and then 119 for Rogers. Exactly. So I think right now, right now, just going off of statistics and then obviously what my eyes have seen a little bit, I, I still would give the edge just, just to Rogers, just a little bit. And I think, if Rodgers can can go in and steal that one seed in the NFC, I think that'll definitely solidify it for him. 
QBR, Aaron Rodgers at 84.9, Mahomes is at 84.7. So I think those percentage stats, those, you know, completion percentage, the passer, mm-hmm. rating, the QBRs, and the touchdown interception ratio, I think that all favors Rodgers. So I think you're right. I think he does have the edge statistically. And as you said, mm-hmm. Rodgers is doing it with far less than what Mahomes has. I mean, Rodgers has guys that he can rely on, but he doesn't mm-hmm. have, you know, the absolute embarrassment of riches that Mahomes has. Yeah, it, it's it's an absolute treasure trove of riches, like you said. It's and not to take credit away from Rogers and Devonte Adams, that connection mm-hmm. is ridiculous. And I honestly think the Rogers Devonte Adams connection rivals the Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. and Pat Mahomes or Pat Mahomes and Tyree Kill connection. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I think that you know, good for Rogers. This would be his what third, second, and second. Second MVP? Oh, MVP. Oh, Super Bowl, my bad. Uh, I want to say maybe third. I'll look it yeah, up real quick. I think he's third. But, like, as, as you just said, like, I believe that Aaron Rodgers is too good to only have one Super Bowl. Like, I think if, a doubt. if he retires with one, that is a colossal miss opportunity for the Packers. You think about the Packers the last, what, 25 years? They've had two quarterbacks, two all-time great Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and they only have two Super Bowls to show for it. I think – I don't know why it is. They don't really seem to spend in free agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, they draft They draft all right, right? They draft okay. Um, yeah, they usually draft well. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers, like, if you think about it, what, is he top 10 all time? Is that crazy oh, to say? I think it could be even, it could be even better than that. In top five, right? Yeah, I mean, they, it's... And all the others would have, you know, more than one. Brady has five. Peyton has two. Montana has, what, three? Yeah. Um... Even this generation, Roethlisberger has two. Eli has two. I, I think it's going to be a tall task to beat Mahomes, right? I think everyone yeah. can do that. But I think Rodgers needs two. Um, I don't think it'll kill his legacy. I think it'll be more an afferendum on the Packers organizationally than Rodgers mm-hmm. playing, I feel. Now, how, how fitting would this be? It, mu- it must be in... The A Rod nickname, okay. Alex Rodriguez, three-time MVP, mm-hmm. won a World Series once. Okay, Aaron Rodgers, as we've seen, he's won two, basically on his way to his third. And would it surprise you if he only ended up with one Super Bowl? I don't know if I'm. So it would how? Be I don't think it'd be surprising. Agreed. And and Alex Rodriguez, that R A Rod, that's the same thing. It's it's basically saying you're probably one of the best baseball players to ever play the game mm-hmm. and you were on the Yankees who had a lot of good teams had you only win one super yeah. uh one world series so I think that's going to be the same conversation just with the other the football A-Rod and saying how did you only win one Super Bowl being as good as you were thinking back at, off the top of my head to you know playoff games that Rodgers has had they won the Super Bowl I think it was 10 years ago now in mm-hmm. Dallas and then they had a 15 and one season they lost to the Giants in the divisional round they won the Super Bowl that year. Um, they had that one NFC championship against the Seahawks where they boxed an onside kick that would have won them the mm. game. Um, last year they lost in the NFC championship. The championship yeah. Um, they've made the championship game a handful of times. I know mm. they lost to Kaepernick one year in the divisional round. I'm trying to think what else they've done. They won. What was the year? The year. What do you remember the year that they beat Dallas in the divisional round? Dallas was the one seed. And then they went to the NFC Championship game. Who they lose to there? I'm trying to remember. Well, I mean, it had to be who was 
It was our, I'm trying to think, it was sophomore year of college for us. So, was it the Rams? Might have been the Rams. 2016. Timeline-wise, that would make sense. Rams or Seahawks or or Eagles. Um, no, that was. Why am I? I'm just trying to think of past the... Super Bowl no, appearances. Because they, they beat the Giants in the wild card game, and then they was it the Eagles. They lost to. I got it. They have the um. Falcons. They lost to the Falcons. Oh, oh the Falcons. That this. Yes. How they lose to the Falcons? Falcons were really they, they lost 44-21. They got blown out in that game. Wow. Yeah, that, that's what uh, Coach Poppy was kind of telling me, that their defense in the playoffs needs a ton of help. Yeah. That was a, I, you, you forget because of the 20-3 lead that they blew, but that was a good Falcons team. Like I just a great Falcons team. They, 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 have, they haven't been the same since. Wow, they've been terrible. But, you know, that's a, we can go three hours on why that happened. Yeah, that, that'll be another week. But, yeah, like, in conclusion, like, you know, Rodgers, and I think if you texted Coach Poppy and you asked him, Rodgers should have, like, three Super Bowls by now. It's just yeah, that, that without like, a doubt. either defensively in terms of, or in terms of weapons, you know, they, the organization really hasn't helped him out. And I think nothing says more of that than this past draft when instead of helping him, they drafted his replacement or his mm-hmm. heir apparent in Jordan Love so early. You know, not, not only in terms of the draft in the first round, but also Aaron Rodgers hasn't shown any signs of just slowing down. He's about to win the MVP. So <sighs> interesting to see how Green Bay has treated him. But, you know, I love Mahomes. I want Mahomes to win every Super Bowl ever until the Giants mm-hmm. get to the point where they can contend against him. But yeah. you know, I wouldn't hate seeing, you know, Rodgers winning one more before it's all said and done. Yeah, he, he needs it. Uh, I definitely want to see Rod, and I think this might be the year for him to do it. So I definitely want to see Rodgers get there. Mm-hmm. And that'd be a great Super Bowl too. Him against Mahomes would be the State Farm. Oh, that would be amazing. State, State Farm, Farm, State Farm, Farm would love I mean, that. How would you know Jake from State Farm? How would he handle that? Who would he root for? He Gun might do the coin. He might do the coin toss. Think Jake from State Farm would root for? I think you got to go Mahomes just because he's got the bigger contract. There's just mm-hmm. more money involved. I would love to see the commercials after that Super Bowl that they filmed. Oh my god, it would be ridiculous. It would be. I wonder if the loser would be up for that to film, kind of like a tongue-in-cheek commercial about that Super Bowl, because someone's. I know Rodgers wouldn't. No, I think Mahomes Mahomes will be okay. I think Mahomes is okay. I'm Patrick Mahomes. I have a billion dollars. I'm part owner of the Kansas City Royals. I already have one. I'm only 24 years old. I think I can do a State Farm commercial making fun of my Super Bowl loss. I don't exactly, think Rogers yeah. has the same personality. But I'm with you there. We shall see. So will. coming up in week 15, Giants have a must-win against Cleveland on Sunday night football. The Dolphins have basically a must-win must win against two. Patriots. Patriots. And home though. At home. So that's good. Yeah. And also the Patriots are struggling to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest game next week is in terms of, you know, talent in the teams is the Chiefs and the Saints. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that Breeze isn't going to play. We'll see how long the leash is for Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. And does anything else catch your eye next week? Um, I mean, I'll just I'll take a quick peek. I know we're running long on time, but I'm trying to th- – let's see. We've got week 15. Um, um, no, 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 no. Nothing. Uh, probably Browns Giants, maybe even as a, as a yeah. 
Yeah. Not, not, yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. Not, not a crazy yeah. week, but we'll not see. A great week. That's probably why they put Giants Browns Sunday night because I don't think CBS allowed them to take Chiefs Saints. I think CBS has a say in that. Oh, definitely. But we shall see, and we will cover it next week. So that we will. That will basically do it for us on this week's Ice the Kicker. For Matt Ferrar, my name is Glenn Negris. Enjoy the week of football. We're getting one week closer to Christmas. That's very exciting. And we'll have a fun, you know, Christmas episode next Tuesday because we'll be the week up. So everybody have a good night and we'll see you next week.